I found, by the way, so one of my coworkers is really into like, really into Halloween and stuff, but really into like makeup, special effects, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. She's done a lot of like zombie stuff. Ooh. And she is currently working on doing the clicker just on her own. Oh, wow. <laughs> just no, like she's act- she's she's really good. She's trying to get noticed, but I saw some really cool methods for that. I saw someone using styrene but then using one of those they're like a hot bar that's curled and then just cut through the the styrene. Mm-hmm. I saw some people making flower flower petals that for and I'm like the creative nature of this stuff is crazy. Yeah. I wish I oh, had absolutely. the brain to do that full time. Oh, that's the dream. Could you imagine if what would if you had like some form of echolocation? Because that's what the clickers have, right? Yeah, it's basically what the it's like a kind of like a bat thing. Yeah. Okay. Here's your here, here's your opening right here. I got this one for you. <laughs> you you have you have echo echolocation. You have that ability. I what wish, do you do? But with okay. It? What do you do with it? I pictured what you'd be doing. With it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know room. me too well. <laughs> See, you like caught your me. Eye, I was like, trying to trip you it. up into it. <laughs> Like, I was trying to trip you up, make you look bad. Nope. <laughs> but you caught me. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. But I, I guess, would yeah, also. I've, I've been a little scared of this topic because I don't want to get this one wrong. Yes. This one's, this yes. one's close, close to my heart. Well, this I don't want to ruin yeah, it. Yeah. This one, I'd say this is the, definitely how Resident Evil is for me. I would say this is more so for you then. Like yeah, to your... a large extent. This, this is, of my 20s life, I would say the most important gaming experience that I've had. Yeah. Save, I, I did really enjoy Death Stranding, though, but I, I definitely think this one sits higher. Yeah. I still um, haven't played Death Stranding, but yes, I would definitely, I, I do enjoy, especially Naughty Dog. Yes. As a, as a production company for video game development company. They, they have a short but very notable resume. Uncharted, yes. Jack and Daxter, and this—I mean, just each each of the three of those are very, very solid. And each yeah, of their hey, don't rights. don't forget they started out, or at least that I remember with Crash Bandicoot. Don't that's yeah, don't, that's right. I, he don't sell him short. True, true, true. Those games still hold up. They, yeah, the remasters that they did on them are pretty tight too. I mean, they were yeah, that was a tough one because I mean that was, that's one that like everybody would criticize if they got it wrong fixing them mm-hmm. up. But yeah, they did a great job. No, they. Yeah. I remember they took. There's also speaking of documentaries. There's it's about how one of the original developers or for that game right when we right when video games sort of started to make that jump to 3d yeah how they designed figured out how they can use the original playstation to its fullest extent mm-hmm. when a lot of other companies at the time were barely scratching the surface of what back then a 3d console could do yeah well it's too this kind of was a milestone for that as well i mean this came along right at the forefront of console technology as they were about to make a jump into a much deeper level of graphics. I mean, they were mm-hmm. riding the line of what the memory of a con- of a console at the time of 2013 when this was released. I mean, they were yeah. really riding the line of what was too much in one game <laughs> memory-wise. No, and, it, and, it, and we are talking about The Last of Us today. Yeah, just to clear that up, we were talking the 2013 original release of The Last of Us, which has now since, in the decades since this came out, I mean, this has been remastered twice, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's one of the, I think that might be the, it's got to be definitely hold the record for the shortest time span of I would original so. I can't remaster, think of another one. and then now Last of Us it's called part one. Yeah, I think the I think the biggest reason that they did the second round remaster was number one, the first remaster they remastered it from the PS3 to the PS4 and it sold like crazy. It was one of the highest selling games on the 
PlayStation yeah. 4, which wasn't even its release console. I think they just print that money, they just wanted to put it on PS5 because they knew it was going to sell a ton. Mm-hmm. But what I also think that they did, because coinciding with the release of the show, I think that they saw an opportunity to update the character design slightly to kind of merge them. Because I noticed with that update to it, they looked a little bit more like Pedro Pascal and the cast, the, the general cast. They made them, the character models look a little bit more like the actors portraying them in the show. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice. I mean, that's kind of clever. I mean, it merges it and makes it a little bit more familiar to people who are coming into the game because of the TV show. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, well- so take me through because I, I remember seeing Last of Us back on the PS3. It was it was toward the tail end of the PS3, I think. Yeah, it was one of the last big titles that they had. Yeah, that it was sort of the the, the swan song for the PS3, which is kind of interesting how it's extended into the PS5. So three generations of consoles now. Yeah. But I remember seeing it and hearing about it. But how did you how did you come to? to be enraptured by the last of them. I knew a bunch of people who played it and it, I what as as we've discussed on the show before I I was not a PlayStation kid growing up. Yeah. I bought into the PS4 to because I had heard about PT and I wanted to get on on the Silent Hills trend. So I was very hungry for a great horror title when I got the PS4, but I obviously that didn't pan out. So unfortunate <laughs> to Hideo and his endeavors. That's why I got on to Death Stranding when it came out. I got I was really hungry for his creative style and I wanted to see what he was going to do after that ultimately didn't come to fruition. But that not being here or there, I was still very hungry for a title and of, of the horror genre. And I was looking at this game kind of from the sidelines and it looked very interesting. And I saw a couple of playthroughs and the more I watched the playthroughs, I started shutting them off. I was like, nope, I'm picking this up. Yeah. Um, it, and I, t- I tend to buy games later in their life cycle so I can pick them up a little cheaper. Cause, yeah, you know, same here. Yeah, I always do. Unless it's one that I've already, that I'm married to. Like, yes. I've just I can, I can count like, on one hand how many like day one adopt titles I think I've bought. Yeah. Two, two of which were Zelda. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so you have your ones that you're going to get the moment they come out. Like Last of Us. Yeah. You were doing that. You were yeah. you know, waiting for the deal. Yeah, once, once I realized like what this game was, I immediately dropped all like those playthrough videos and watching all the Twitch streams and stuff. I was like, I'm not spoiling this one for myself. I want to actually experience mm-hmm. it. So I jumped on, I grabbed a copy of it, immediately jumped in and started playing with it. And it just just so happened to, I mean, it was a bit of a double, like the story itself is pretty phenomenal, but it was the time for me personally that this story came, this particular story came yeah. out. It hit a very deep chord with me at the t- at particular time in my life. And yeah. so me personally, it's, it might just be like a me thing. I know a lot of people have had similar experiences with it, but for me personally, it was just, it was the time in my life that it came around that was particular to this story and the nature of how desolate this world was and the, the, the nature of these two characters that it resonated so deeply with me personally. But I mean, it was everything down to the design, even just the, the graphic design, like the, the marketing of the the title everybody's seen that high stacked the last of us title that's very emulative of johnny cash and Mm -hmm. that goes down through to gustavo santalala's uh score which is incredibly well done i mean the music in this game is the emotional core that like guides you through the gameplay and everything else is layered on top of it oh yeah absolutely i mean that music and sorry to cut you off no no go ahead i'll add in there real quick like that's one thing I think in media and art in general, or at least visual movies, video games, I feel like soundtracks and music have taken a back seat. Yeah. And 
I grew up, we grew up in a time when I feel like that was always a huge thing was what was the theme to the movie or to the game. I always, if I really enjoyed it, I always found myself humming the song or the theme mm-hmm. afterwards. And this is definitely one that I think goes back, harkens back to that having music that is not only good, but also challenges and adds to the the story and the playthrough rather than just be, being like background, like wallow or like like an air conditioner, like elevator music. And it sticks with you too. And I, th- I think it's largely the style of it, just the nature of which Gustavo performed a lot of this music himself with his own hands. Mm-hmm. And he managed to do things like make a banjo sound like a broken grandfather clock. And just the nature of that fits this world in such a unique way of like this, this is shattered reality. Everything is kind of scattered <laughs> on the floor as it were. <laughs> and uh-huh. you have that mental image of like daylight streaming through a broken window into, into this just broken reality. And it, it paints a picture in not just light and gameplay, but also sonically through emotion, <laughs> just in the music that's yeah. played to you and i mean it's just like it hits on each one of those chords and it's it it is a unique story in and of itself i mean just the nature of a zombie story is not new but Mm -hmm. what this did was it kind of took a look at how would that realistically play out it just i just so happened much like dark this kind of just through pure coincidence came along at a time that it was tackling a topic relating specifically to the COVID 19 pandemic this just happened to come along in a period of time before that happened and was gaining notoriety but then at the time that the second game comes out it's literally just around the corner that oh we're dealing with something that is similar ground that this is tackling and it's it yeah. made it 10 times scarier well it didn't didn't part two come out right during the first summer like yeah, it actually came out the day before my birthday on june 19th 2019 i think it was mm-hmm. so i mean they had extensive groundwork laid with the first game coming out and it, the nature of that story with it it is a dual protagonist game as it's often been described i mean it's essentially joel's story but as much as it's joel's story in the first game it is also ellie's story but she is at that point a much younger character she's not quite as capable of defending herself while she proves to be well above the curve for her age being a survivalist in this very harsh world i mean she still is dependent on joel and they they act as a dual team who rightfully two people in this world should not be able to survive the journey that they're on but they do in spite of all the drastic harsh realities that they are faced with yeah and and just to like sort of set the scene real quick for those who have never played it we're not going to get too heavily into the spoilers or, or, or will we uh, that's that's your call i don't i don't know well i would say how deep um, you'll want to go least from, with the overall at least from this point forward if you have not played the game you may have seen the show um, mm-hmm. but there are extended details in the game that don't exist in the show so i would recommend uh going and playing the game come back and check us out later if that's the case for you yeah but yeah and i, I while we're on that topic too what i found most interesting a lot of people assumed i was going to dislike the show because it's not going to be the same same as the game but what i found most interesting was something i didn't expect from the show is that it didn't really try and capture the game it does a decent enough job at capturing the story of the game but what it mostly tries to do is be what i would describe as a tangential experience something that's giving you more beyond the borderline of the story of the game because the game is a very personal story between joel and ellie whereas Mm -hmm. the show tries to give you the global scope of what is going on with this situation which i found interesting because you're getting a lot more story out of the show while you don't get quite as much from the core experience from the game. The game still exists and you can go back and experience that. And I'm like, this is a much smarter take. 
Yeah. No, I think that's what they were definitely going for. I think you put it perfectly like a, a tangential experience to the game rather than being something to surpass it. Or I think this goes back to one of our earlier discussions. I think we talked about it during the Resident Evil one. Yeah. Oh, we have to we, we have to make a game so we can make a movie out of it. As if as if the art form of video games isn't legitimate. Like yeah. A delegitimization of that art form. But what's tough about video games, and I think that this is a very valid point, is that not everybody can play a video game. There are people who have certain visual spatial issues that they can't they get headaches when they try or they just don't have that motor skill to do it it's just not their thing it's not a pleasant experience for them they need a tv show or a movie to experience a story like this that's why i'm glad that that exists because it makes it accessible for someone who might not be able Mm -hmm. to play the game people have never played the game oh no that's all fair point i'm just my is more coming from that i still believe that video games are an art form in their own right oh absolutely Uh, their own form of storytelling yeah i mean um, how many times have you and i talked about just zelda last of us resident evil alone (laughs) beyond that there's a million more and my one of this speaking of tangential one there's one little video that i always enjoy and i think this comes from part two can you in part two play the guitar they're like a a moment where as Ellie you can play the guitar or something yes there is and it's one of my favorite parts of that game I guess someone plays the uncharted theme in the game so I, I don't know I always like that it's well, there's it's, also it's, another really fun tie-in to uncharted so in the first game Ellie's red t-shirt yes the design on that shirt is on the wave runner from uncharted oh is it okay there's a couple little fun tie-ins like that. Definitely some some naughty dog cross cross. No, yeah, fun. that's cool. I like that. Yeah, because there were a lot of create a lot of cre- the creative team that that ferried over. Like they were obviously Naughty Dog is as a small studio, so they've ferried mm-hmm. people over. But I mean, usually like when a project ends, some people will take a hiatus and not jump onto the next thing. So they'll bring in new people. But in this case, a lot of the same people came came over to Last of Us from Uncharted, and I thought that's cool. No, yeah, I mean you can. De- I noticed because I didn't really fully play it until you recommended doing it playing yeah. it again and i played the remastered version and i can definitely see the foundation of the gameplay that probably would that would came over from uncharted uh in it yeah there's yeah, a there's but, a noticeable connection in like the mechanics and the gameplay it's not identical but there's there's some similarities that you, you're like okay this is a naughty dog game mm-hmm. but the voice cast too that they pulled it i think what makes part of what makes this such a good game was it was treated as as a dramatic narrative yeah. And it shows in the casting that they picked and the way that they treated the they treated these scenes like shooting a film in a lot of ways. Ashley Johnson killed it as Ellie. I mean, there mm-hmm. it is certainly not a knock to the TV show, but I mean, she is Ellie. And for yeah. her the fact that she's at the time that they made the game, she was almost twice the age of the character. I mean, it was what she was able to pull off with her emotions and mm-hmm. her voice alone. I mean, she's a phenomenal voice actress. If you've heard her on Critical Role, they it's a group of voice actors that get together and do D&D campaigns, and they all just have way too much damn fun with it. But <laughs> I mean, you can really see their voice acting chops whenever they do because they really bring the characters of, the, of their campaigns to life. It's crazy. Well, and I lost my train of thought there. What was I about? No, you're good. Oh no, did they? They mocap the original game, don't they? Don't did, yeah, don't no, they, they do like it wasn't as quite as tightly sophisticated as some things are done now, like with the tight okay. facial expressions. But I mean, they they did the mocap suits and yeah. they didn't grab all the facial details like they they normally would nowadays. No, they know. Okay, but but I mean, the they actors, s- the they voice still actors, acted still out got all those per- scenes. 
Yeah, they they, yeah. they like treated it like a film set. It was like I remember I, I was listening to a lot of BTS stuff, but Troy Baker, who plays Joel, and he does oh my God, he does such a beautiful job. And again, it's it's kind of the inverse of that. I mean, he's much younger than Joel is. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's able to make his voice sound so bold, play that part with a, with a level of wisdom well beyond his years is just kind of kind of inspiring to look at. <laughs> and no, he, yeah, and I would agree. Same thing with how you mentioned Ashley Johnson for Ellie. Yeah, I'd say same thing with Troy Baker for Joel. Like, and not to knock the performances in the show. And no, I think Pedro does a great be, job. I mean, yeah, I think it's just, everyone it's a different does, take on the character. Yeah, it's a different take for me though. And maybe it's just because the game was first. For me. I, d- I don't think because of the nature of which Ashley Johnson is older than Ellie. I mean, she couldn't physically play a young Ellie right now. And just no, the same no, no, as no. Troy Baker is not like he's he, he could probably pull off an older version of Joel, but he's not physically buff enough for me to buy it. You know, he, just, yeah. he just doesn't look the part and that's no knock to him. I mean, he just he is Joel in the game like a thousand yeah. percent like and then, too, what I thought also was really cool was Nolan North is in the game and he plays one of the most terrifying characters in the game. Who who does is does he play the forgive me I wouldn't I do have to look that one up does he play yeah the, the cannibal leader David David yeah 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 Nolan North uh, who plays David I mean he was he's a ferry over from Uncharted he plays Nathan Drake wow I never knew that was him that is wow and that is te- kudos to him for playing that I never. If you watch the making of documentary, they they cover that pretty in depth, and you can you can watch him jump into character. For, like his normal voice sounds a lot like Nathan Drake, but yeah. like watching him snap from his normal voice into David is crazy. <laughs> like yeah, and he said that they didn't really even take time to develop it. He said he just kind of had that one in the back pocket, waiting to use it at some point. To, that's that's amazing how much sometimes too when a when a character is just ready made, like it's just they just exist. That's what I love about just, voice actors is I think that they just spend a lot of time playing in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they 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 have a few that they're they're just tinkering with, waiting to use at some point. And I love stuff like that. But yeah, like the the three of them, like I said, watching that documentary, I do recommend that. It's it's on PlayStation's main YouTube page. It's also available on the Last of Us game. I'm not sure if it's on the remasters, but I know that it is on the core game accessible that you can watch it from there once you beat the game. But it's called Grounded. Very good. Very good documentary covers in depth the the process of developing the game. Very, very cool stuff. Which is, I think, significant because there aren't many documentaries out there that I can think of beyond this one that cover how to create not not just a game, but a narrative game like this from yeah. beginning to end. Definitely not at length like this one does. I mean, I've seen yeah. some BTS stuff of certain games, but not not like to the depth and length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. I've seen some of those featurettes or small little snippets that give you a little bit of behind, but don't really give you the the meat and potatoes that this does. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I remember Death Stranding had had a good bit, especially on their music, uh, which their the music for Death Stranding is fascinating. But uh, again, neither. Uh, I did want to talk um, about the design, um, but first, okay. uh, since we were still on performances, um, I remember hearing a bunch of people talk about how Druck- Druckmann was like very—he's uh, Neil Druckmann who developed, who's who was the creative director on the first and second Last of Us games. He was co-director mm-hmm. on the first, but he reigns fully for the second. He directed most of the scenes, from what I recall, and they said that he was very willing to just kind of roll with things and change things on the day as they were. Sh- yeah, quote, quote unquote, shooting, performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, which, which I would imagine would be incredible for an actor. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. I've never. 
I never. Well, I know that there just... was some difficulty. Troy Baker had a lot of tough times trying to shoot the. Now, this is a very big spoiler moment. Just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to breathe and jump ship if you need to. But I don't the know. No, 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 we already said it. Yeah, go ahead. I just this is this one. This is one I'm gonna give an extra layer of protection on. All right, all right. In the earliest part of the first game, Joel's daughter is killed, and it's a very difficult scene performance-wise. And Troy Baker was very happy that they got it quickly initially, but then they had to go back and quote-unquote reshoot it. And it, through the reshoot process, they had a, he had a long, difficult time. They couldn't get it, and it was just a lot of tinkering and very tedious work, tedious emotional work. And yeah. You know, just they couldn't nail it, and he was going back and forth on it and trying to figure it out, and he just got so weary with it. And it was it was tough work. I mean, I, I give them a lot of credit for the depth that they went into on an acting level with this. I mean, it's yeah. it's it shows in the gameplay. I mean, it isn't. It, it definitely is, does, and it makes me think of. And I've heard that you being a Kubrick fan, that reminds me of, I don't know if this is true, but it reminds me of the famous scene in the end where, yes, oh, forgive me, the actress's name in The Shining. Shelley Duvall. Um, yes, thank you. Is being confronted by Jack Nicholson. Now he's gone like full crazy and yes. she's walking up the stairs backwards. He's following her. She has the bat and she's like, stay away. And she's so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I've always heard that they did so many takes on that. I don't know if that's true or not, but her being, and I've heard that she got so exhausted and it shows in the take that they finally used. Yeah. So that, it, that once again, you saying how they, how they did that with last of us for that scene, you can definitely see the or hear the, the weariness, the just exhaustion, the shock in Troy Baker's performance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it, I do think it was one of the later takes that they used because they said they went through so many. You can, yeah, like you said, you can hear it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, moving forward, I mean, into the design of the game, the decaying civilization, I think, was one of the things I initially remembered most when I first got out of playing it. I just, yeah, same. Like, just that environment and those worlds. I mean, especially the skyscraper from the third or fourth mission, where every movement is on a slant because the building you're traversing is half knocked over. Yeah. And I, I remember just being so jarred by the visuals of that and just the immense level of design. And it was everything came from the notion of nature retaking human civilization. There was something about that that would just struck such a deep chord and was like, oh, we are not as important as we think we are. No. Yeah. And, and you think about it and I'm pretty sure I, I know they've probably done a lot of their research or as much as they could do yeah. to tell this story. That is i believe fairly accurate that if you just all of a sudden just if we just snapped away if we did and we're just gone humanity then it wouldn't be that long for nature to retake the cities become about, that about almost. half the time of the the huge time jump of 20 years mm-hmm. and also what i thought was super interesting about that time jump was this in the world of the game the year in which the cordyceps virus strikes is in 2003 10 years following that equates to the release of the game. Yeah. Then 10 years following that equates to the release of the TV show. And I thought that there was something huh. interesting and felt very structured and planned about all that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, well, could it have been, could they have, could they have done that? I Could they have part of, me, part of me wants to think that that was very strategic. <laughs> yeah. No, that is certainly. And cordyceps, which is a real, a real fungus that affects insects, particularly ants. Yeah. Um, That's what I, I, think I thought was the most terrifying thing of this entire. No, thing, yeah, I would think there's actually different. Possible. Yeah, no, there are different ones that affect different insects, but it's like yeah, nature. The, uh, 
the only nature's thing, way of controlling a, a, a population. Yeah, the only the only real barrier to it is, I think, like a ten degree separation or so that the fungus just doesn't operate at our. At our yeah, level. well, that was an interesting scene. And real quick to talk about the show, I did yeah. like. I really, I don't, I'm curious your thoughts. I did like that opening scene. So did I. Uh, I thought that, that was 60s. very creative. I, I did really enjoy that, how they shot it, you know, just a quick one off. Well, also, because I thought that they picked very smart material that wouldn't have fit as well in the game because the game mm-hmm. is meant to be this, this very, like the, it's almost like the desolation and all of the story wrapped around the cordyceps virus in the game is very much just yeah. a backdrop to this very human story between these two people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt you here. It's a no, fungus. Okay. Fungus among us. Get it right. We're trying to be professional here. No. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it is. Okay. No, it is. It is yeah. I mean, it's often referred to in the show as a virus, which is as a virus. Yeah. But yes, you're right. It is a fun. It is a fungus, which is interesting. It's an interesting way to go about it because I mean, that's it's all scientifically possible. Well, I thought that it, was a good way to, like you said, it is because Anyone who's not familiar with it, they could look at it and be like, oh, it's just another zombie type scenario. Yeah. Sure. But once again, here's a way to take something that has been done and reinterpret it and inject some new life into it. And, and give, us, a give, simple, us a, give it a different spin. Yeah. And just sometimes it's just as simple as, okay, yeah, instead of it being a virus, we're going to make it be a fungus. And that yeah. changes how it operates. It the gives new rules and a new landscape yeah. to work with. Yeah, exactly. And the different enemies you're going to see and what they're going to look like. Just doing one of those things, doing one thing differently and doing it well. I think we've mentioned this before when you're telling a story can really go a long way rather than trying to come up with a whole new recipe for bread right off the get go. Yeah. If you just maybe instead of if I'm making some soda bread, instead of using raisins, I'm going to use chocolate chips Mm -hmm. this time through. We always come back to food analogies. I don't know why. Hey, if if it works, man. Speaking of food, they did do this year at HHN. They did Last of Us as one of the houses, but they also oh, yes, had, yes, yes, yes. They had also had some catering tailored specifically for the Last of Us, and I have to say it was my favorite food of this year's Ooh, HHN by far. What they have? They had for a dessert. They had what they called a ration bar, and it was it was interesting because it was like it was kind of like a really clever like fudgy rice crispy type deal but i'm Ooh. not doing it justice by describing it that way and it was, so it was like, like almost like a power bar type kind, kind of or like kind a, of like a really well done power like power bar or like you ever had you ever had a they like were like perfect cooked, bars like they were baked fresh oh too. yeah you ever had perfect bars before no i have not oh those are good i highly recommend them. yeah i'll have to check those if out you, but uh, they, they did i actually have here i saved it from the event i they they gave us a little ravioli can um, and it's it's got a label on it that says Fedra Food Ration. <laughs> um, they had an alcoholic coffee there, and it was by far my favorite drink of the event, save for maybe the Stranger Things fruit punch deal. <laughs> but yeah, that's they, the areas that they had. They like they decked it all out, made it look like I'm an area of the game, and it was just like I was like I'm living out a moment here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was almost euphoric. Yeah, it was. It, it was just like it was kind of, kind of like a grown-up boyhood come to life experience. It was. It was. I didn't really know what to do with myself because I was. It was the care and detail that was put into it was like you could tell somebody cared to yeah. do this right. No, that that's good. Since we're talking about it too, I might as well just uh, talk about the house itself. Was just absolutely phenomenal. 
I, I do want to give a, I said this a couple times in this episode so far, but I do want to say if you do plan on going to HHN this year and want to go through this house, I want to give you the opportunity to opt out and get a fresh experience on that. But going forward here, let's talk about the HHN house This from this year down in Florida. They did an absolutely phenomenal job. They did the Pittsburgh level and you walk into the house right around the first corner, you see the crash truck and the actors are coming at you with like the human weapons from right from the level of the game. Mm-hmm. And as you round the first few corners walking through the, the building scape there, they did a lot of projection effects of like shadow play and they used it very cleverly in this particular house with Joel and Ellie showing up and putting on their masks and they did a soap effect where they dropped fake spores into the actual set of the house and where they displayed spores it like felt like you were in the game and it was pretty magical wow okay and yeah there's just all kinds of great little details they had two bloaters through the course of the map you were walking through a ton of clickers that's just they they would pop up and just absolutely scare the shit out yeah. of you yeah that was, i i cannot commend because i know neil Druckmann worked directly with universal to bring that house to life they just did an absolutely phenomenal job oh, us nice. being okay. from pittsburgh drove it home yes. that much more i mean that was probably the one disappointment in the show i, I can't moved. even yeah i can't even say how much i was upset <laughs> they moved <laughs> that, uh, they, they moved, moved the pittsburgh. sequence to kansas city Instead, Which, to be I fair, it, I get why they did that production. I guess yeah, it was just a production thing, you know. But I get it. But, but still, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't. Yeah, hurt. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to bash it. That's their prerogative. They're making. But as a resident of Pittsburgh, that was also part of my love of the game was the fact that they went to the place I've lived my whole life. And mm-hmm. not only that, but it is the most brutal and harsh area of the game. Of the game, and I was like, oh, <laughs> and, and seeing they, these places that i go to on a fairly regular basis in this i have to say production game and how they did it in the game too they got some of the layout and geography of the area in the city pretty pretty good especially the bridge which i think is i don't i'm trying to remember which bridge fort duquesne is it it fort duquesne bridge okay i can't remember if it was fort duquesne or fort fort pitt yeah that you're going yeah it's fort duquesne and it's i admit that the geography isn't completely accurate but not 100 percent, but still for what you especially see in for the when game, it first came out like it it honestly it, it it works just well enough to be fully passable unless you really get in there and nitty-gritty pick at pick at it yeah but yeah i mean that goes back to like the design i mean the flooding of pittsburgh and all that and i just mm-hmm. the the harsh reality of the people there i mean it's it's well thought out like it's like that's definitely i, I could see everything that they did working and it's it also, just like the nature of going from city to city, I think was very smart because it has this unifying effect to everybody playing the game who lives in one of those cities. You see it. You're like, oh, I live there. It's like, yeah. it's not just Pittsburgh. I mean, it's multiple cities along this journey to getting through to seeing, meeting up with the Fireflies that they're on track with. I mean, and that's part of what I thought was so cool about this game was it has this unifying effect in a, in a harsh landscape, which is very much where we're at. <laughs> like, uh, I just thought that was cool. But uh, yeah, that that design, that decaying landscape, the the plant life reclaiming as well as the zoo life i mean that scene with ellie and giraffe yeah i was just gonna i was waiting to bring that up that that is a a masterpiece of a scene in a especially in a video game there is and that I, i'm sure you and i have talked about it before but the combined reference there right with with the there, giraffe there's a two-pronged reference there number one it's the they're both to jurassic park number one it's the, the brachiosaur in a tree scene that they're going ah, after. Okay. 
but also the fact that Ellie's name is Ellie. She was named after Dr. Ellie Sapp. Oh, see, okay. I never knew those were definitive. Like the, the, we, those are definitely not. I've, I've only heard that. it mo- is stated in like the most subtle of ways. Okay. By Druckmann and, and the team, but it's, I really do think that that's the end. Okay. Oh yeah. That makes, okay. It makes, let me put it this way. It makes too much sense for it not to be it, true. It does. It, and as we know, if it makes sense, then it must be true. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. It makes sense to me. Therefore, it therefore, is true. it's my reality. <laughs> it's my. Oh gosh, that is that is the way of the world at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, going through the just the the development of the game, the ambient lighting that they did was way ahead of its time. Like on the on a PS3 architecture, it was yeah. The amount of darks that they, like it was such a balancing act for lighting because like they wanted it to be all natural light because you can't there are no artificial sources other than mm-hmm. flashlights in this world. So it was it was a bit of a tricky act. But they actually didn't include a flashlight up until later builds the game. It was one of I don't want to say a last last minute addition, but it was late into the process that they started talking about adding that. And it the flashlight looks so good i think it's one of the most shining aspects of the game because it like the the light pattern of the flashlight looks makes those environments look so realistic it's one of those kind of things you kind of have to play it to see it and understand but it looks so insanely good and it it sells that world so much more if they had not oh well yeah i mean having that contrast like you need like uh it's like you can see the actual like aura of the bulb as it would be like reflecting like that level of detail is insane for a PS3 game. <laughs> like, it still kind well, of blows me away. No, yeah, and how even now playing it, you know, on a PS5 or I believe it, you can get it on PC as well too. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can. now the the lighting has only gotten better, but that is definitely. I think some people like this is something we learned that I always found interesting, and like I think our would have been our second year of film school is when you're shooting a dark film or or when you want to make it dark, you would think, oh, just no light. But it's actually yeah. the opposite, right? Like you actually need no, yeah. more light to make yeah, the and shadows it, and to and you can to always make it bring it look dark. bring it down. So it's it is yeah. a balancing act across all aspects, but it's it's tricky. It's there's not really a right answer there other than you gotta get in there and play and find what's gonna work. Yeah. I always Especially just found con- that interesting. considering like the parameters that you're working with are always usually pretty specific to the story you're telling. Yeah. So it's and it's in, never like one thing. And for Last of Us, lighting is definitely <coughs> a huge one. This isn't something oh, yes. where you would want to use the what what we would call high key no, yeah. lighting. I, it's, where, you, where you have that low contrast, which you see more in like comedies or Part of what was so tricky, I think, about it was that because they were forced into using natural light, they had to build the environments in such a way that were conducive to the lighting. And I Mm -hmm. think that's part of what made it so tricky was because then you're now dealing with multiple aspects of development towards multiple goals. So it became very across the board, especially Naughty Dog is not a crazy big juggernaut studio. I mean, they are now... But they weren't at the time of making this. They were still very, yeah, which is yeah. And then also goes to the 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 building of the environments goes towards the puzzles. What I thought was very interesting about this game specifically, and I know Uncharted did some level of this, but not quite to the same degree. The puzzles there were multiple ways to solve. Hmm. Basically, just navigating each area to get from like point A to point B. It's like oh, you could go retrieve this ladder and climb up, or you could go up the staircase, which is shattered and then shimmy up the wall and climb up that way so it's like there's not always one answer for how to solve a puzzle but it's 
all roads lead to point B, but it's like how yeah. you get there that's unique. And it's like, it, it does feel like you're crafting your own way through this maze. Each yeah. Time. Yeah. It's, I've always thought like you hear the thing in more well-known forms of storytelling show don't tell. And in video games, I feel like that you almost need to come up with a different rule. Obviously you can't just tell and you can't just show because you need, there needs to be that interaction with yeah. the player. I mean, it is a game at the Absolutely, end of the day. Yeah. There is, there has to be that some sort of, of gameplay. And, and that's I, what's, what's most interesting there to that point. Like I think from the drama aspect of this, they found a very creative inroads towards making the gameplay experience only enhance the drama. And what I thought mm-hmm. was unique was I heard Druckmann talk a couple of times on this and said, with me just a second. <gasps> Oh, I was trying to do a clicker. It wasn't very good. <laughs> I can't do it either. I've tried <laughs> a couple times. I can't get it. <laughs> Terrible. Why can't I find this point? I know I wrote it down. There it is. Um, yeah, I, know, I remember hearing Druckmann speak on this, and he said one of their main points towards trying to make the game experience only enhanced by the drama was that they wanted to exploit mechanics in a narrative sense. So like I think mm-hmm. a good example of this is towards the end of the game when they're walk when they're coming up on the area of the giraffe. Yeah. You have to cl- you have to do what you've done like a thousand times through the course of the game and boost Ellie up so she can pull the ladder down. Yeah. And you go to do this and there's a beat and you see that Ellie is distraught and she's not paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it delivers this very great character moment through a game mechanic where like you as a, a player are expecting this thing to yeah. happen, but then you're thrust into the storytelling of the game through that. And I thought that that was so unique to this experience. I hadn't seen another game do anything like this. And it, no, I, definitely. I, I could tell when I was playing it, I was like, this is going to change the landscape of how games are made. No, I would agree. And I think that definitely bridges the gap between the game design and the and the narrative the game mechanics and the story itself and this brings up i think a point that naughty dog i don't know if naughty dog coined it or came up with it maybe but i've the ludo narrative dissonance one of I've my heard favorite this a number of times yeah yes you've, you've we'll, mentioned this especially yes and i will and we'll have to dedicate an episode to it but essentially in a nutshell it's having there's always like a disconnect when it comes to the games with the mechanics of the gameplay, how you're basically how you, the player are going to go through the game or have how you as the developer are going to have the player go through the game. And then the narrative, the story, there doesn't seem to always be that connection between the two. When you're doing art, you have that all, all different parts relating to, to create a whole picture. And yeah. for the longest time, most games didn't have that. And I would say, yes, what you're, what you're talking about there having making sure that the game mechanics feed back into the narrative and the so narrative it's not just happening in feeds back into yeah exactly so you're not just that's watching always, a movie happen in a game engine yeah it's how taking you up take, an active role yeah because storytelling in and of itself is a passive experience for the most part so how do you take something that's interactive and integrate the story that it doesn't feel tacked on or just sort of slapped on top of it i can't tell you how many games are just like get from point A to point B and then the story happens in between those. Yeah. And two, or do, like or a lot of a that was out of, and then the story. Yeah. Happens. And a lot of that was out of like, it, it almost was like uh, a sort of, well, just sort of like an extra little thing to keep 
the, it, it going yeah. to keep the player interested. Just sort of like, oh, we have extra time here in terms of making the game. Let's let's throw in a story just to just to spice it up. Yeah, and I think as you could video feel games, it. yeah, has evolved now. Depending on what the game is, but a game like this, people have come to expect a more mature, more in depth, more more attention given to the narrative as well as the game. There's still plenty yeah. of games out there that don't need an in-depth narrative to it. You can kind of have it do one way or the other. Uh, but one thing, too, that I love about this game is it uses the landscape, the world, and I think you mentioned this just a, a little bit ago, it uses notes left behind from you. Like, if you go and explore and you pick stuff up, it uses that to sort of flesh out the world if you want to know more. You, you can read, like, diaries that's from part people of what who I love used to live in a Naughty house. Naughty Dog style in general. Naughty Dog did this with Uncharted to a lot to a large extent too with mm-hmm. collectibles in that game series. But what I found interesting was one of the main collectibles through both Last of Us games are letters. And as you collect them, you can go back to them and read them at any time. And this is where I got into it and really took my time with The Last of Us was because I would hunt down these collectibles and I wanted to get as much of the story out of it as I could find. So I took a very, very long amount of time to complete the game the first time because I was trying to hunt down and get every possible collectible because I yeah. wanted to get the maximum amount of story impact because I wanted to know like, Oh, cause once I discovered, especially Bill's story that exists behind uh, that curtain, I was like, Oh wait, there's, yeah. there's a lot more here. There's a lot more so, going on there. Yeah. So once I found out, the more you dig into all that stuff, the more crazy depth you find in the storyline of stuff that you just like didn't expect. And sometimes it's as simple as like, oh, just like this area was this person's house, and this is why, you know, what what happened to them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it has, like, especially in Bill's case, I mean, it has a longstanding impact that actually resulted in them changing his storyline to reflect that more deeply in the TV show. Yeah. Voting almost an entire episode to it. So I thought that that was very interesting, but yeah, no, I mean, collectib- and, collectibles in a lot of games are important, but I, I, I think that they took it to another level with last. No. Time. Yeah. The collectible and collectibles can sometimes always feel like an afterthought. Yeah. Something that you just kind of add on later, not necessarily integral to the game. The, this the is definitely of the game. one of the, if I was to point to someone who, who would always say, well, games can't truly be art because blah, blah, blah. There's too much disconnect. This would be one of the first ones I would point to, to say, I feel like everything is there for a reason because the creators wanted it to be. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I also, I I forgot to mention when we were talking about Gustavo Santalala in the score, (laughs) I I remember watching a breakdown of his studio. I mean, like even just to re-mention to going through and watching them produce the score for this. I mean, he used weird stuff like PVC, just PVC pipes at different lengths. Use he what would, now? He would play them like a didgeridoo. <laughs> like, what in the hell? And there's all kinds of stuff throughout the score where it's just like weird instruments like that. I mean, he would do like twang boxes and stuff for just like a simple, like one note and then he would layer it on another note. <laughs> so it's like the, the amount of depth that's in an otherwise seemingly fairly simple score. There's a lot going on in this score. I, I wouldn't even know where to find PVC pipe in, in the store, let alone how to <laughs> write a score <laughs> with it. Yeah, I, I, me- I remember looking at his personal desk setup. It's like he had a rack sitting there of just like a dozen or so PVC pipe at like different lengths for different purposes <laughs> different widths <laughs> and stuff I'm like this dude's a nut and the, the other thing is too what i what i find interesting about him as a composer 
he doesn't like to write out music so much. He'll he'll obviously have a written sample to to have on record, but I mean, he likes to perform and experiment his scores into existence, and I I kind of <laughs> love that. I I certainly don't pretend to be any kind of professional, but I've gotten into produce like score level producing music in the past few years and. I really respect that level of just like experimentation and trying to find it in just the performance of it more so than just sitting down and trying to write it out in your head Mm -hmm. and then have it performed. No. And again, like I mentioned earlier, the the soundtrack, you definitely hear the soundtrack in this, the score. What's what's weird about his studio? Just sort of background noise. Yeah. I I also noticed that in their studio, they have recording hookups in every room of their studio, including the kitchen and including the bathroom. (laughs) And I thought that that was very, very interesting. (laughs) Just in case, you never know. I'm just trying to picture someone with like a bass guitar sitting on the toilet, (laughs) strumming it out. But he said he did say that they got some very interesting recordings from them just sitting around having lunch and then just deciding to plug in and, and get in. I thought that that was that's very cool. Like, mm-hmm. like there's something interesting about that. <laughs> kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like okay, I, I can see the practicality of that as well. <laughs> no, and so, this yeah. is I, I I gotta say I I did really love because I think one of the reasons I didn't really give this a shot in the very beginning when it first came out is when I saw it, I was like, oh, this just looked like a children of men story sort of which i don't know why that wouldn't have pulled me in because i love that movie it it honestly does sit in a similar category to a lot of to a lot of degrees like obviously it's a different story but at the same time it's like there's some similarities but it has that similarity that structure yeah and do we want to get into one of the big the like arguably the second big twist so you got the big twist in the beginning Yes. Which we talked about with Joel losing his daughter right out the way. And the way the game, too, the way the game starts is you are playing it from the daughter's perspective, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, from the opening sequence, yeah. Yeah, you're you're controlling her. So that was a big, I gotta say, that was a, a bold move to... The changeover in that sequence is the car crash. Yeah. If I memory serves, because that's when yes. she becomes... Yes, 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 yes. And then you're playing as Joel. You kind of, yeah, it kind of, it blend, they blended so well that you kind of don't even sometimes realize that it happened. At least I didn't the first time because I was engrossed in it. But do we want to talk about a little bit the, the ending or do we want to? Yeah, I could, I could, I could jazz on the ending. Cause I, I actually, I I thought that was another one too, that I was like, wow, okay. Cause it really hits heavily with the theme of what they're trying to go with here. You have this just broken world. You have these essentially broken characters when we first meet them. One of the most interesting things I've heard on the subject of Joel as a character was that he is a man who has few moral lines left to cross. Yeah. And I think that that describes him to a T. Yeah. No, I'd say well, well said, perfectly said about him. And one of the things you learn early on with Ellie is that she is, as far as we know, one of the only, the only person in the world who is immune to the cordyceps fungus. Yeah. It has no effect on her. And And she has some degree of understanding of how important that is, but it's, it is the linchpin of human survival. Yeah. And just to set the scene, the final showdown is Joel has, the whole story is getting her to the Firefly Lab in, is it Colorado? Yes, I believe. The lab is it? I believe, is it I believe Colorado, Colorado or is it Utah or? 
It's out west, definitely. They're they're east. I actually, in actually, Boston. I think you're right. I think it's they they go to the university in Colorado, but I think that the last scene is in. Utah. Yeah, and then they end up. They got to get. They got to get the lab out west. And keep in mind, it's not. You can't just hop on a plane anymore. The world has pretty much disappeared in the past twenty years since the fungus outbreak. It's all. It's all on horseback, or it's all yeah. on foot. Oh yeah, pretty much. And. When they finally do arrive, the Joel makes the discovery or the revelation is hit upon him that in order for the fireflies to make a, a vaccine, if you will, from to from Ellie to then administer to the world or what's left of humanity, yeah, they have to. I essentially think they had to like harvest her brain, or they essentially they got to kill. Well, they her would have they, to learn. Yeah, they what would they have need to, to learn. harvest such a level of brain tissue in order. Yeah, to Yeah, that it would and, kill and her. get bone marrow and a number yeah. of other things. Yeah, so they basically to, need to, to, to carve her up in order to get what they need. And yeah. I've always found that interesting because Joel makes the decision to just say, "Nope, that's not what's happening." He and says, "Screw." I think that it's the lie. After the fact. I mean, yes, yeah, the no, heroism too. of defending her is yeah. a morally ambiguous choice. But then on top of that, he chooses to not only protect her physically, but to try and protect her emotions of what he's done yeah. choosing on her behalf. Yeah, he, he doubles down on on, And that has implications that carry into the plot line of the second game. Yeah. You know, we'll, which, I won't go into that now. But yeah, no. Yeah. It's, it's a much more longstanding impact. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought that was an interesting way to end the first game because in his mind, I mean, it's, and it's almost not, like both, both in the show's performance of it and the game's performance of that ending scene, the last, literally the last shot that you see, mm-hmm. you can tell almost that Ellie knows that he's lying, but is forcing herself to believe it, to believe that or not to believe that. Yes. Which I found interesting. And also to, to the same point of that ending sequence, the, the other big point I thought of that there's every story has, has, has three. So I, I think that the other third point, well, second point that's most interesting is the the period of the game in which Ellie is taking up an active role of saving Joel from when he mm-hmm. becomes impaled. And I think the my only other real criticism of the show versus the game was the lack. The big element of the game is the crafting element, keeping your arsenal and your weapons up to snuff as much as humanly possible because you rely on them all. And every bullet is going to count the amount of inventory that you have, all that wraps around that. But what I found interesting about my game versus show experience, I guess I'll put it. Yeah. Was the lack of the bow struck me, struck me kind of hard. And for a very specific story reason, and it comes down to that, that area of the game in which Ellie is defending Joel and trying to nurse him back to health. Mm-hmm. She takes up an active role in hunting the deer, which she was not as a survivalist capable of before. And she had to craft her own bow in order to do that. And it showed a level of skill and character development for her that was very interesting. And when the show chose not to use a bow, it's, it, that's one thing that kind of struck me on a story and character level that you know, I don't want to say I was disappointed with because I get why they did it in the show. But it was it did feel like I got more out of the game, I'll say, on that front. Okay. But I, I thought that that was a very interesting story point because you can see Ellie becoming more of a survivalist. She's getting to a point where she's more capable of surviving on her own in this world. And you're seeing her develop as a character beyond Joel needing to protect her. And that also, mm-hmm. I think, has a compounding effect to Joel's effort to protect her at the end of the game. So I think that there's some themes that are at play there that are, are clash with one another in, in a very interesting Yeah. 
No, it's it's it, it is definitely. We talked last week about when I said masterpiece for Exorcist. I have to say this is a, a masterpiece too. Whether you have your things against what a game should be, that's fine. But I still believe that this is in the pantheon of a, a master class. And I would I would even consider like the show and this as one unified experience. I think that the two go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. So as like one singular story told across multiple mediums and iterations, I think it is one of the most important big stories of recent years. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. And even just as real quick too, like the 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 amount of like I just always love the creativity of the different levels of the enemies that you face, the way the cordyceps affects the person, the infected, and also you know. that it's not even just those infected with the cordyceps. Fu- pardon me, those, those <laughs> infected with the cordyceps fungus that you are impacted by. It's also the people of this world that have been pushed to the absolute brink. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 fighting a war on multiple fronts. Yeah. And I always I I think that's what influences Joel's decision at the end to save Ellie because in his mind it wasn't the fungus or the infected that took his biological daughter from him in the beginning it was a man with a gun it was a, yeah. a human it was a soldier that did it and in his mind it's like oh we're gonna do it again and he can't nope you don't get to do it again and that's and he's he's just like whether you consider it a selfish choice on on his part I think that's up to you is what you can hate him or love him. For the decision he makes, especially even like lying to to, uh, to Ellie thereafter. And I, I would like to get into it another time, but the DLC missions from the Left Behind series, which mm-hmm. they incorporated into its own episode in the TV show, which I thought, but I, w- I would like to cover those on another. But I mean, the amount of expand, like it has the best expansion I've ever seen in a DLC and the most justified DLC I've ever seen in a game. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was just being raked over the financial coal. <laughs> yeah the few bucks that i spent on that were so worth it because it just adds such a beautiful level of detail to the existing game yeah yeah if you can if you can play the game absolutely i and if and if you can't or you're just you just won't ever pick up a video controller video, the video show game is controller a great substitute the show for, is a great substitute yes yeah it's yeah i just substitute is the wrong word it's it is a, it is a great tangential experience to the game but it also does deliver enough of that base storyline that if gaming is not your thing, you can still, still yeah. get an alternate. Get the but yeah, substitute in the sense of like, well, if I can't get the the game, an alternative take choice for you, if if, yeah. if just if just video games are just not a thing at all for you. But there just the story, is so much material in this game that it, there was no way it was ever going to be covered unless the yeah. show went on for fifteen seasons. Uh huh. Yeah, just uh, there's a lot of story material in this in this game, so it's I. To pack it into nine episodes, I think that they did one hell of a job. Yeah, they did. Yeah, phenomenal job. Uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out. I don't want to go with you. <laughs> I don't want to go with you. Get out of here. No, I'll go. Just no, I'll just you. go. Just, just stay away from me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually already am going, but I got tickets on a day that you're not available. Yes, yes, I've planned this. <laughs> I've planned this out completely. Oh. <laughs> it-